Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good. And it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. It's the 30-something movie podcast. I don't know why I sang it that time. Hey, you're feeling excited. I'm feeling... You know what? I'm always feeling excited, though. That's good to know. Good to know. It's a a byproduct of your job, guys. Always. Always excited. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the movie we're talking about this time. Always. Yeah. Always. Oh. Not, not never. Always. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, spoiler alert, we spoil the movies we talk about, including Always. We always spoil Always. All right, that's enough of that. Uh, if you have not let, if you have not yet, or let, uh, either way, if you haven't left us an iTunes review, now would be a great time to do that. Um, we'll wait. Go ahead. You think they're done yet? I think they figured it out. That's probably enough time. Okay. Uh, five-star reviews are written a whole lot faster than the other ones, so uh, go ahead and do that right now if you want to. And then visit our website, 30podcast.com. That's got all of our past episodes, other ways to interact with the show, our social medias, our voicemail line, uh, voting for next year's movies, all that kind of stuff. So go there, do that, see the stuff, and then come back here and listen. Uh, tonight I have with me Pat... The man, Kanagawa, or maybe Popeye. Should that be your new nickname? It's, it, it should be Popeye. My arm is, you, is nice You've got swollen. The, the hyper-swollen Popeye arm because you're strong to the finish because you eat your spinach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we got Pat with us tonight. Pat, how are you doing? I'm doing swell. How are you doing? You are swelling. Mm-hmm. You're, swell, well, you're swelling, swelling. Yes, yes. That much is true. There that much is certain. And then Bo, the journeying on the SS Love Fest, as we found out last time. Bo Warmbold, how are you doing, Bo? I am well, John. How are you? Are you enjoying your cocktails on the SS Love Fest? <laughs> without a doubt, my friend. Without a doubt. Uh, well, I am. I'm looking forward to, as we said last time, I'm looking forward to your funeral and to partying with you on that yacht. So, but not in like a morbid way. Looking forward to your funeral. It just sounded like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it will be. Oh, Wish I was going to be there. I know. Well, you will be. I mean, suppose in my own way. Right. In, yeah. Again, we might have spent too much time talking about how we're going to die last time. So let's not do that this time. No. This time, it's <laughs> this time everything's all good. It's all good. Shall not die we'll like dogs, but fight like lions. That's true. All right. So this time around, we are talking the movie Always. Um, we are uh, looking at December 22nd, 1989 is when this one came out. It was rated PG with a runtime of two hours and two minutes. Directed by some guy named Steven, uh, Steven Spielbergo. Was that his name? Spielbergo? Sure. Yes. Yeah, Spielbergo. Sounds about right. Yeah. And uh, he did Jaws, uh, 
at is that at oh no et i'm sorry i wrote that wrong uh et at (laughs) it's a french movie it means and um indiana jones movies pretty much everything else you've ever seen producers on this one were kathleen kennedy frank marshall and steven spielberg kennedy did jurassic park the force awakens marshall did raiders of the lost ark signs spielberg did roger rabbit and amazing stories writers on this one uh basically don't be a writer on this one uh they're all dead he's dead jim there we go yeah so writers for this one jerry belson wrote the screenplay he died in 2006 uh dalton trumbo wrote uh and in fact a lot of these writers though i I guess that's a little unfair because a lot of these writers were for the original version of this movie a guy named joe which came out i think it was 1943 i think i got that right 1943 maybe i don't have that in my notes but i think that's what it was um so dalton trumbo was one of the screenplay writers for that original movie he died in 1976 Frederick Hazlitt Brennan uh, was also one of the screenplay writers for the original movie. He died in 1962. Chandler Sprague, uh, Sprague or Sprague died in 1995. And then David Bohm died in 1962. And then between those gentlemen, uh, Belson did writing for The Tracy Ullman Show. Trumbo did writing for Roman Holiday and Spartacus. Brennan did writing for The Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp. Sprague did writing for The Bashful Bachelor. And Bohm did Knickerbocker Holiday. Uh, cinematography was done by Mikhail Salomon. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. Uh, also did The Abyss and Backdraft. Music by John Williams, who did yeah, a couple of things here and there. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, all that good stuff. Uh, budget, couldn't find any information on the budget for this one. Box office was $74.1 million. Critics on Rotten Tomatoes give this one a 67%. Audience gives it a 60%. IMDb gives it a 64%. Letterboxd gives it a 56%. And CinemaScore gives it an A-. So people leaving the theater and being interviewed about what they just saw apparently liked it a whole lot better than what those other websites give it. So we can we can talk about that in just a moment. Uh, this movie starred Richard Dreyfus as Pete Sandwich. He was in Jaws, Close Encounters, and American Graffiti. Wait, Holly did he say Hunter- Sandwich? Yeah, sandwich. Yes, it's a delicious role. Uh, Holly Hunter played Dorinda Durston. She was in Raising Arizona and The Firm. Brad Johnson played Ted Baker. He was in the Left Behind movie series and Ned Blessing. John Goodman played Al Yaki. He was in King Ralph and Ten Cloverfield Lane. Audrey Hepburn played Hap. She was in A Guy Named Joe, the original version of this, and Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, Roberts Blossom died in 2011, played Dave. He was in Christine and Home Alone. Keith David played Powerhouse. He was in They Live and The Thing. And Marge, I think it was Marge or Marg. Why do I have Marge written down? I don't know. Uh, Helgenberger. Helgenberger? Yes, mm-hmm. let's go with Helgenberger. She played Rachel. She was in the TV series CSI and the movie Species. Here's the trailer, and we'll be back in just a second. How much fuel you got left? I love it in the kitchen, baby. Negative sand, it's get out of the sky. He was the luckiest flyer alive. Oh, this is good. I was rusty on panic. You magnificent pagan god! Where'd you get that oil on your face? Where? Well, it's here, it's here, it is. So tell me you love me. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Oh, tell me, tell me! Then one day... Pete, that dive is way too steep! 
I get out of that one? You didn't get out, Pete. Well, either I'm dead or I'm, I'm crazy. You're not crazy, Pete. I'm dead. That's right. He was up in that plane doing his dumb stunts. So now I'm supposed to give inspiration to some flyer. There's your boy. Listen, kid, I think we're both making a big mistake. They hear you inside their own minds, as if it were their thoughts. Give him a chance, Al! Okay, kid, you got a chance. Don't screw it up. I'm gonna like this job. In a world of fire, I know you can't see me. But I'm right here. Nothing is forever. You must That's my girl, pal. But a love can last. To us. Always. All right, so this one. This movie, always, I feel like, we're going to start with our usual question of, is this the first time you've seen it? But I kind of feel like this is one of those movies that not a lot of people have heard of. Even though it's Steven Spielberg, Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, uh, John Williams... It's got great actors in it. I kind of feel like this is one of those that when you mention this to people, they're like, huh? Never heard of it. So my first question for you gentlemen is, when was the first time you seen this movie? Pat, when did you, was, have you seen this before or was this your first time? This was the first time I've seen this movie. I have heard of it though. But here's the thing. I get it confused with a couple of other movies because I think when you said always, I think I was like, wait, is this, this and this and this? Nope, that's Air America. Oh. This is okay. this person? Uh, yeah, but you're thinking of this. Oh. And then, well, what about this? Uh, nope, that's this other thing. So I had heard of it. I just really didn't know much at all about it because I kept getting it confused with the other movies out there. Okay. Bo, what about you? Had you seen this one before? I had not. And when you first brought it up, I thought we were going to be watching Awakenings. Oh, okay. So I had to do some digging because I did not know what this was. Okay. There you go. So this one for me, I had seen this one before. Like I and I've seen this one before at least a couple times. Um I don't know if and I don't know why. Like I don't know if um was John Goodman. I I know my dad always really liked John Goodman as an actor. Um, John Goodman actually went to the same college my dad went to, and I think they were there at about the same time. Um, so I know, you know, he always liked, we watched, you know, the Roseanne TV show and, uh, we always watched a lot of John Goodman movies. We, you know, we watched King Ralph several times growing up. Um, you know, pretty much anything he was in, we, we watched it at least once or twice, but there are things, I mean, there are parts of this movie. I, I definitely have not seen it since I was a kid, but there were parts of this movie that I could remember very vividly watching it. Um, and so I know I've seen it more than once. So this must have been one that for some reason or another we watched several times. Um, so I definitely did see this probably closer to when it came out because I cannot recall having watched this in anything past middle school. Um, so it would have had to have been not too long after this came out or maybe when it was in video stores. We might have rented it a couple of times, um, but I've definitely seen this one before. The funny thing about this one is everything about this movie, um, you know, the type of movie that my wife really enjoys, it would be this movie. Like, okay. just about everything in this movie. And she loved it. As we're watching this movie, she's like, wow, the soundtrack is really good. 
like oh, I like a lot of this music. And then she's like, this is like it's it's part love story. It's almost like the movie Ghost. It's got actors that are great. It's got all this stuff in it. It's like I have no idea why we never would have seen this. You know, and between you know some of the aviation stuff, she's like, my dad would have loved this with all the aviation and all the machinery and the and you know it just like the combination of stuff. And then you think Steven Spielberg, John Williams. Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, like these are all big name people. And yet I don't think a lot of people remember this movie. So, and that was, and she was kind of shocked. She's like, yeah, I, I don't know how this one got past us. This is like when she thinks of movies that she might've watched with her grandma, like this one's a prime example. Like it hits pretty much every note of a type of movie that they would have watched together. So she was kind of shocked that she had never seen this one before or had ever even heard of this one before. Um, so so, um, initial thoughts. What did you think of it? So, for for both of you, this is the first time you'd seen it. What did you think of it? Uh, so, Bo, what was you know you you originally thought we were doing a different movie, so this yeah. was kind of a. So, what was what did you think as you were watching this one? I liked it. I wasn't going in with much knowledge or expectations, so yeah, I think I really liked it. It had a lot of the. It had a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. You know, it was fun. Pat, what about you? What were kind of your first thoughts as you were watching? Agreed. I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the plane scenes. I mean, those were exciting and uh, cool to see some old planes in there, um, um, you know, on screen. And uh, that was very enjoyable. And um, yeah, I, I dug it, man. It was cool. It was a fun movie. I. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep coming back to the aviation stuff. I just thought the planes were cool. I find, you know, I find those those firefighter planes and, and that whole kind of genre, whether that's realistic or kind of, well, I don't want to say realistic or done up for the movies. You know, if the, if, if the firefighting planes, if they're really like that far down on the deck and crashing into uh, tree branches and everything like that, I find that pretty exciting. Um and I, you know, I wonder if that's kind of, they deal with that in real life or if that was kind of a, a, a product for the movie. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it, nearly everything about this movie, having watched it again, I and, and I remember enjoying it as a kid, but nearly everything about this movie, I'm like, the actors are great. The soundtrack is great. Uh, it's got planes. It's got fire. Um, the music is great. Like, really enjoy this movie like i but part of me wonders because this movie did this movie came out before ghost um i'm trying to remember exactly when ghost came out i know it's next year for us um so it's a 1990 but i don't remember how soon it came out after this one and sometimes you get that you get like two competing uh, wild west movies will come out at the same time or you know two baseball movies will come out at the same time so somebody must have been throwing some screenplay around Hollywood and somebody was like, Oh, oh that's cool. We should do something just like that. Right. So I, I kind of wonder if that happened with the movie ghost. And then part of me is like, okay, well, because they say they came out so close to each other. Is that why this one didn't quite make it, you know, was ghost mm-hmm. a little bit more. It had more of the comedy. It had more of the, um, gear or not. You know what I mean? That Richard gear, my God. Ted Danson. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, Ted Danson. That's it. Yeah, Ted Danson, Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, it's got 
I, I, we thought about that. And I, I talked to my wife about it as uh, we were watching this one. And I said, well, it's, it's got Whoopi Goldberg. It's got Ted Danson. So maybe are they more, are they more the stars of the late eighties that are more up and coming? They're more what people want to see as opposed to a Richard Dreyfus, Holly Hunter, uh, com- romantic comedy kind of that where really there's not really a whole lot of action except for when you get to the, when you get to the part in the end, when they're having to fight the fires, there's not that subplot, you know, ghost had that subplot of there's a crime going on and we're going to have some action in here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- this movie didn't really have that. So this movie, this movie was a pretty steady, almost like a guardian angel kind of tale most of the way through and didn't really have that action until you got to the very end. And I, I wondered if maybe that's why this one didn't make it as far as it probably could have. This one seemed to me that my other thought about this one too, was this one seemed to me like it was an extended, it, we talked last time about how we felt like weekend at Bernie's maybe should have been an episode of a, of a sitcom. Mm-hmm. And this one to me, if you've got, if you guys have seen, I know Dennis has seen the uh, episodes from the TV series, amazing stories that Spielberg also did um, some of the amazing stories. There was the executive producer on some of those. This to me seemed like an extended episode of one of the amazing stories. Oh, okay. It was almost kind of like the, the reverse of what we had from last week where this one was like, it took an idea from one of those kind of like more, more positive upbeat kind of twilight zone ish kind of stories. And, you know, just extended it out another hour. So that, that's kind of how it felt to me, you know, watching this for the first time in probably 20 plus years. Um, that maybe was, as I was trying to think of why didn't this movie do as well uh, when it had so much going for it, maybe that's it. Maybe it didn't have enough action. Maybe the actors were not the, you know, the the hit actors of the day. But I don't know. I don't know. You know, yeah, it is. that could be. And, you know, I mean, you can't argue with the fact that it it isn't super well known. But I don't know. I... I'm going to say something that, I don't know, I, I want to say it, but I don't want to sound like I'm arguing with you because I think mm-hmm. you bring up the point. But it's like, I look back and it was like, I, I thought there was a pretty good amount of action in there. I mean, yeah, flying the plane into the fighter and, you know, um, you know the thing where he has to kind of uh, fly and, and drop the, the, fire, the, the, fire, the fire extinguisher stuff on John Goodman's plane. I mean, that was pretty intense. And yeah. I guess what fell apart for me was just I, I, the story kind of fell apart. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of like, okay, is he getting into this weird uh, afterlife love triangle with the girl and um, the 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 guy that's like the trainee pilot that he's trying to bring up, or is he the guardian angel for this and he's trying to figure out how to be the guardian angel? And then it was like the pilot. The, the guy that he was trying to bring along, that he never really seemed to settle into his role. I wasn't quite sure about what his thing was. I got to be honest. That was that's where the movie kind of fell apart. Is it was oh, there's this great action and the firefighting and the cool planes and the whole thing. But then it was like, how does this guy fit in? You know, it's sort of like at the Big Lebowski when they're sitting there in the one scene and the dude looks up and goes, "Now who's this guy, man?" Like I, I didn't quite get what was what was this guy's deal like i 
you know, he, he just, his, his character, it just seemed awkward. And then there was the one thing with, you remember there was the gal that could never get the, 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 the whatever that vehicle she drove through the airfield, um, she never could get the brake on because they yeah. kept breaking or breaking. The kid, the, it was busted and it kept going. Yeah. Well, then he was kind of flirting with her, but that didn't happen. So then he ends up flirting with um, uh, Richard Dreyfus's ex-girlfriend. And that became awkward, but it was kind of like that was a. It didn't really seem to get resolved. And even at the end of the movie, I was I was like, well, what about that other gal? And is he so now is he going to go out with her? Or I, there just seemed to be a lot of loose ends that mm-hmm. I, I I don't feel like they were entirely making the point that they wanted to make. That was kind of where it fell apart for me. I don't know if anyone else noticed that or. Yeah, well, in terms of the in terms of the love story part of it, I think the one part, some of that I, I didn't notice this as a kid, but some of it was as, well, not even just when he came back for you know when he when he was a, an angel or a ghost or whatever you want to call it, um, Pete was really a jerk. Like for most of the movie, he was pretty much a jerk. I mean, yeah, he bought her a really nice dress, but other than that, he was kind of a jerk. And I don't remember that as a kid. I don't remember like th- I almost I almost disliked his character for a good portion of the movie until he kind of got his act together and realized, oh hey, for me to be able to move on and for everybody to be okay, I need to you know I, I can't stay here anymore. I can't you know this is not no longer my life. I need to do what's best for these people. Um, you know, so I, I spent part of the movie not liking his character. And thinking, well, that's odd. I remember thinking that he was kind of funny when I used to watch this as a kid, but now not so funny. Now he's kind of getting on my nerves. Um, the love story part of it, though, I think the the part that you brought up where it seemed like he was kind of the 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 new pilot guy um, seemed like he was. Uh, let's see, uh, Ted was his name. Seemed like he was kind of flirting with the one girl with Rachel. She was the one that couldn't put put the put brake on on whatever that little vehicle is called. Um, huh? But if you remember that one part where he's kind of where it seems like he's flirting with her, he's really not. He's really so focused on Dorinda that, you know, she she even says something like um, she's flirting with him. And then he says something like, well, you know, have you ever had that feeling that you just have like met the perfect person? And she's like, yeah, I have. And she's thinking of him, but he's thinking of Dorinda and he starts talking about it. And all of a sudden she realizes he's not talking about her. He's completely focused on this other woman. And I think he ends that by saying something like, you know, hey, thanks for talking this out with me. That was really great. And then kind of wanders off. And that I think I that part of it, I, I didn't have so much of an issue with because I felt like when you really got into that part of the story, that that's what the character of Dorinda needed. You know, she had Pete and she loved Pete because, you know, he was kind of a. He was kind of a flyboy. He was kind of a, you know, he was a daredevil. He would do reckless stuff. And she kind of loved that part about him. But I think what she really needed, at least maybe at that point in her life, what she really needed was somebody who was going to focus on her. And I think that, I think because he was almost in like a, in a very boyish way at first, he was just obsessed with her when he first met her, when Pete was still alive. You know, I, I think that was kind of what, as the story went along, that's kind of what she needed. So that was now that Pete was gone for the rest of her life, this was going to be the person that would give her the relationship she needed to 
carry on. Now, I, I don't disagree right. with you to, to say all that. I don't disagree with you that there are plenty of spots in the story where things don't hold up or I felt like they spent maybe a little bit too much time on, you know, whatever it might be. I, there were certain parts that I was like, oh, okay, I kind of get the point. Let's um, let's move along here. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, so that's, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what it was that, that just didn't caused this movie to, to go much further than it did. I, I guess my other point too is about the action. I agree with you. There's plenty of action in this. The, you know, when he douses the fire on, on uh, John Goodman's plane. And when you get the scenes at the end and they're fighting the fire there, I'm wondering if in, in the eighties movies, you almost always have to have a villain. Like it's almost yeah. a very cut and dry, no matter what the movie is, there's gotta be some kind of a villain. And I don't think fire is enough of a villain. Right. So I'm almost wondering if, it, if if part of it was that. Like in Ghost, you had a clear villain. There was a crime going on. There were criminals involved. Somebody was going to you know, try to kill somebody. Whereas Fire, it's not a villain. So so I don't know if the 80s movie watching crowd was like, oh, okay. So we've got danger, but it's really just like a natural danger. It's not, well, this ghost movie over here with, you know, these people is, is more compelling. So I'm going to go watch that. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe something about the pottery. I don't know. Could be. Cause I enjoyed this more than ghost. Personally. You did. Okay. But I, I tried to think about that too, whether I enjoyed this more than ghost. And I, I think, I think for different reasons. Yes. I think this one I might watch more often than ghost. I think I'd watch ghost every once in a while. Because it's funny, it's got some really funny parts in it, but I almost feel like I would more regularly go back and watch this one again. Maybe for yeah. the characters. I think the characters probably. Yeah, and some of the flying stuff and some mm-hmm. of the some of the humor is more my style, I guess, in this movie. Mm-hmm. Pretty much anything John Goodman does is about my style. John oh. Goodman really brings a certain something something to those movies. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah. You got a little, uh, got a little, little something on your face there. You got, uh, no, it's not that side of your face. That's, and he's just like wiping the grease all over his face. That was hysterical. Oh and then I God. knew I was like, don't, don't like that cigar. Don't like that cigar. It's not gonna go well. Funny stuff. Well, there are any scenes in particular in this movie that. You know, kind of, especially for you guys who saw this for the first time, were there any scenes in particular that kind of jumped out at you and like, I really enjoyed that particular scene? And and Pat, I will allow you to say everything flying. <laughs> um, yeah, I the, the sequences were pretty good. I'll tell you when that last, maybe that last one where, you know, they're flying through the forest and uh, he kind of coaches her in. She makes the the drop. Um, yeah, to get those guys out. I mean, that was a pretty, pretty dramatic scene. Um, you know, you could feel the danger and you knew she was, you know, you could imagine that, you know, that character was in peril as well as the firefighters on the ground. And so I thought that scene was pretty cool. I was thinking that <laughs> it's a little sillier. Maybe it speaks to my sense of humor at the time, but the, there's a scene where, and you know, maybe it's the cigar scene again, but Whenever he, whenever Richard Dreyfus starts to get into being able to suggest 
do people say or do things. Like when he gets that little smirk, there's a there's a time when he's in the plane where he says, "Oh, I could get used to this." <laughs> you know, just those little moments. That's what I loved. Like when he's just enjoying being the angel on the shoulder. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did enjoy the part where John Goodman is sitting out on his lawn chair with the umbrella and he's got the, you know, he's got his food with him. He's got his cooler. He's got the radio and just completely gets all that stuff dumped on him. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Cause um, in, in the, uh, I keep wanting to say Gene Hackman, the Richard Dreyfus character. Didn't he say, mm-hmm. yeah, you better move it to the right or something. He threw yeah. it off. Yeah. Yeah. He like, he, he does it on purpose. Yeah. Well, a couple of interesting things I saw uh, when I was kind of looking up some stuff for this one was this was Audrey Hepburn's final film uh, before she died in 1993. So this was the last movie she was in. Um, And she uh, took on this role because she had always wanted to work with Steven Spielberg. So that was kind of her reason for wanting to do this. Apparently, they originally were going to cast. So her character of Hap uh, was originally going to be cast by uh, as uh, Sean Connery. And he was not available. So they decided to go a different direction and cast Audrey Hepburn instead. Um, let's see, what else did I find here? The Well, part of the reason that this movie came about was because, I guess, uh, Steven Spielberg and uh, the original uh, movie, was the original movie was a guy named Joe, I think was the name of the original movie. And um, Steven Spielberg and Richard Dreyfuss apparently both loved that movie, the one that was from the 1940s. And I guess they would quote it back and forth to each other on the set of Jaws when they found out that each of the other ones, you know, really liked this movie, they would do that kind of back and forth. And so then I guess as it came around a few years later, I don't know if they were talking to each other or something came up and they said, Hey, you know, we, we both really love that movie. We should do a remake of that movie. And so then I think just from that, from those conversations they had while making Jaws back in you know mid seventies, they kind of took that and, and eventually ran with it. And that's when they decided to make this one as a, as a remake of the original. And then I guess at some point while they were making this movie, uh, another connection to something that would come later on, Steven Spielberg told John Goodman, uh, you know what? You'd make the perfect Fred Flintstone if they ever did a live action Flintstones movie. And then of course, mid nineties, John Goodman played Fred right. Flintstone in the Flintstones. Right. Very prescient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty good call there. Yeah. That does feature one of my favorite Saturday Night Live skits shown on the TV there with uh, Dan Aykroyd as Julia Child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still love that one. That's one of my, I am just astounded that my wife, you know, stick stuck around with me because a lot of the times that when we first started dating in high school, um, you know, she'd come over and I would just, I would constantly put on old, uh, Saturday night live VHS tapes and we just must've watched those over and over and over again. So I'm just, I'm a little shocked that she stuck around, but Hey, she wasn't scared away. She's, she's a very nice person. All right. Well, do we have anything else we want to say about always underrated? Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of Check a cute, cute little movie, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I would def- I'd echo that, absolutely, that if you have not seen this movie, if you love aviation, uh, if you love good characters, uh, if you like John Goodman, Richard Dreyfuss, Holly Hunter, any of these actors, um, this is a great one to check out. And I, I do feel like this is one, definitely, as you both said, underrated. Um, I don't think enough people have seen this, so if you're looking for something good to watch, and I don't think... You know, sometimes we, we we always used to ask the question, we don't always ask it too much anymore, but we used to ask the question, does this hold up? I don't think that this movie, I'm not sure this movie has a time 
because I feel like the aviation side of it, like you could be flying a plane like that today. Um, so I'm not sure that this movie really has a place in time that it has to exist. So I don't know that we need to ask the question. Does it hold up? It, it seems to me like it would be one that you could watch whenever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have five questions, so we'll jump on into our five questions here. He asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. Why are you asking me for? I don't know. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. And may God have mercy on your soul. All right, five questions. As always, if you haven't listened to us before, five questions are five loosely based questions on the movie that we have just watched. Um, so let's go ahead and get started with those. Question number one, favorite type of plane. And Pat, I want to start off by saying I appreciate all the follow-up text messages that I got from you asking for very specific, very specific clarifications. All right. You know, because I... you texted me and you were like, okay, are we talking fixed wing? Or are, we talking th- are we talking this? Are we talking that? So... You, I want you to go first, because I, I can tell you've been waiting for this one. Well, I, I, I've got a list, John. I'm pulling, okay. I'm, I'm, um, I'm pulling a, a, I'm pulling a you. I, I can't, I can't narrow it down to, to one. Um, so I will just say, uh, chronologically speaking, I think I'll start in the 1920s with the, well, and actually this one was in the 30s. But the um, they had the seaplane racers. The, um, they raced this th- for this thing called the Schneider Cup Trophy, mm-hmm. and it was so exciting. I mean, it advanced um, aviation, like you know, it greatly advanced aviation, and all the countries of the world were competing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, there was this Italian company called Maki, and they made this thing called the MC72. And when you look at this plane, it is just it is so stylish, and for the time, the motors that they had in these things were incredibly powerful and incredibly advanced, and they've got some speed records that are still, like, holding up today um, hmm. with these seaplane with these racers. So I, I would say that the Maki MC-72 would have to be the, the beginning of Pat's favorite plane lists, and then moving into, like, the, the warbirds of, the, uh, of, of World War II, I would say the uh, Supermarine Spitfire. And the uh, Boeing B-17 Flying Fortress were two planes that I just can't get enough of looking at and listening to and, and, and studying about. Um, just great-looking airplanes and, and uh, very cool. I mean, the Spitfire, it was designed by a company that built air racers. So mm-hmm. you have a company that builds sports planes, and now they build a high-performance fighter. It's kind of like, well, what do you think that's going to look like? So, I mean, it was... Just beautiful plane. Same with the B seventeen. Um, My dad and I used to when I was when I was little, like about mm-hmm. kindergarten, first grade. We used to put together models, and yeah. I remember some of the models. We did the only ones I can remember off the top of my head were we did an eighty five Corvette. Uh, right. was one of the models that we put together, and then another one was the Spitfire. Oh yeah. Nice. Oh yeah, and and just so much is just part of that. You know. So many stories written about the Battle of Britain when Spitfire became popular. And it, the plane lasted the entire war. They kept updating it and using it throughout the whole war. And then the B-17, I mean, just amazing, amazing plane and, and incredibly durable. And, you know, obviously we're talking about warfare, so a yucky purpose, but but a, a, a beautiful plane that is just 
uh, incredible to watch go. So I would say those would be favorites, but then, you know, I kind of would have to move forward through time and just say, um, you know, there's no way I could grow up and watch Top Gun and not love the F-14 Tomcat. I mean, that plane is just outstanding looking. And if you want to widen the net to helicopters, I'd have to say, uh, you know, the Bell Huey, um, you know, unfortunately really kind of gained its reputation from, you know, that was kind of the sound um, that they would talk about in Vietnam. And, you you know, whenever you see those, well, obviously people that, you know, served over there or people that were living over there during the war, I mean, you, you know, that, that sound of the Huey's uh, rotors was very distinctive. But, I mean, that thing stayed in service from when it came in, I want to say in the 1960s, all the way up to the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. And you'd find like, you know, the Forestry Service, the uh, um, Coast Guard used them. I mean, you, they they were incredibly well behaved. Uh, when Sulu in um, Voyage Home. I was just going to say. Yeah. Huey. <laughs> yeah. Old, but interesting. Do you mm-hmm. mind if I ask you a few questions? Yeah, so I mean, you just see the Hueys all over the place, and then uh, you know now they've got one that uh, is called the the Bell. Same company, Bell makes this thing called the Little Bird, and I forget the exact de- um, um, designation, you know, because there's a letter number designation for it. Um, but the Little Bird helicopter, that thing's like a sports car, and they use those things for you know getting special forces in and out um, of places and they can land those things in very small like alleyways they can land them on roofs they can hover and you know guys can fast rope off of them and i don't know if you've ever seen any of the videos of 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 these things flying by with guys sitting on those those side um uh uh, benches but it's it's pretty amazing what those helicopters can do so i i would say those would be it for helicopters and then it's it's funny because Two things become obvious as I start to talk about this, like the list just keeps going because then I'll think, oh, well, what about the P-40? Yeah, the Flying Tigers. What about the Corsair from like the Black Sheep Squadron? What about, you know, I mean, it's just the list just keeps going. And then there's, then there's all these gaps of, of like, well, I really don't know much about like modern civil aviation. I want to read about those planes. I don't know about these modern like high performance stunt planes. Those things look cool. I want, so I'm just taking this question way too far. So I'll wrap up by saying, (laughs) we just got my daughter a shirt and it just says simply, I want to pet all the dogs. And that sums up my daughter. (laughs) And so that's kind of me. What's your favorite type of plane? I like all the planes. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I, yeah. So anyways. Pat, Pat wants to fly all the planes. I would like to fly in all the planes. Yeah. And this was this was a very fun question to think about intensely for the last two weeks. I just have there to say. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I could provide that for you. It was very well appreciated. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, Bo. What about you? Do you have a favorite plane? I I do I do. Um, I had the the F-14 from Top Gun because well, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then I I also did the B-2 Stealth Bomber. That mm-hmm. thing okay. is just so. Cool looking. Or the SR-71 Blackbird. It's a pretty sweet looking plane, too. Yeah. You know what's so cool about those things is that they were so super secret at the time. Mm -hmm. But now you can go look at them in a museum. 
Right. You know and I mean, like, you know, you read about the SR-71 and what that thing could do and how, like, you know, when it would fly out of the hangar, the doors would open, it would take off, and then it would land and go right into the, you know, it was just so mm-hmm. super. They weren't screwing around. Or, like, you know, like the B-2. When that thing came out, you know, we won't confirm or deny, and, you know, people would get right. glimpses of it. And Desert Storm, you know, like, all of a sudden you'd kind of get, I think it was around Desert Storm, you'd get inklings of it, right? And mm-hmm. now you go down to the Air Museum at Dayton, Ohio, and it's like, you turn the corner, and it's like, it's sitting right there. I can go right. up and I can go up and touch this. I mean, it's like, it, it, yeah, that's just cool. Just cool. Yeah, I, I'm going to use this opportunity as an excuse to just rave again about the uh, the Experimental Aircraft Association up in Oscos, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. That place was amazing, like that. And I'm I'm not I'm not anywhere near as knowledgeable about this stuff as you know, especially as you are, Pat. Um, wow. But just I be I wanted to go up there. Because and I've said this before, I, I heard about it because the one of the guys that works there was a co-host on a Rocketeer podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he really brought a lot of the aviation knowledge to that podcast when they talked about the Rocketeer movie, and you know for, from hearing that and stuff he would talk about, I'm like I I just want to go check this place out. Like it's not that far away. I want to go check this out at some point. So we went a few weeks ago, and that place was amazing. Like even if you're not nuts about planes. Um, the museum was just great. Like the, the kids stuff they had and just all of the different, uh, models of planes and the way that they kind of laid out the history of flight and innovation in flight and, and all that was just amazing. Like this place was crazy. Um, I would, there was a bunch of stuff we didn't even have time to see. We did walk through the entire museum, but I felt like there were things I could have stayed even longer and taking a look at. So, you know, if anybody, you know, shout out to the Rocketeer Minute podcast uh, and one of the guys that works up there at the uh, Experimental Aviation Aircraft Association uh, up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. If you're anywhere near Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, you do yourself a favor and go check this place out um, because it was very, very cool Um, and so much bigger than I thought it would be. Like I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. I thought eh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, it's, there's not much up there. Um, but this place was, was just astounding. So, um, I'm going to go and because my knowledge of, of aircraft is maybe not quite as extensive. Um, I am going to go with, I do like the SR 71 that that's the one that looks kind of like the X-Men jet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or that's kind of what the X-Men jets modeled after. Um, in terms of modern, that probably would be the one I would go for. Um, but I am going to go with, you know, because I am such a huge fan of the Rocketeer movie. Um, I'm going to go with the plane that he was flying at the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie, the GB Model Z. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go with that one. I, I have heard from listening to that Rocketeer podcast that apparently those were a, a bear and a half to try to fly because oh. you couldn't really see anything the way it was designed. Yeah, and they, yeah. they killed more pilots than not. I think. Yeah. I mean, you. I mean, like, sorry, I don't want to like jump in, but I mean, no, yeah, like read about those things, and they they had real wicked flight characteristics. Like mm-hmm. you'd got take off, and it would snap you into a roll. And I mean, I think one of the few guys to actually uh, fly one successfully was the great Jimmy Doolittle, and um, he he flew it and landed it and it was because his plane was busted so he agreed to fly it and i, I don't know the exact quote 
but it was something similar to what Kenny Roberts said after racing Yamaha's dirt track bike. And that was, they don't pay me enough money to drive that thing. And it was, uh, I mean, and that wasn't Jimmy Doolittle's quote, but that was kind of the feeling. It was, it, it was um, uh, just, it was, it was a very, very challenging plane to fly. And it mm-hmm. would, it, you know, it, it, uh, it put a lot of pilots, uh, you know, took a lot, claimed the lives of a lot of pilots just because of its challenge. But I mean, it's a cool looking plane. You look yeah. at it and it's just, it's like all motor with wings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. So that's the one I'm going to go with. I that features heavily in one of my favorite movies, and um, you know, I definitely from what I've heard of it, I never in my life would ever want to get in there and try to fly it. But you know, just I like the design of it. But so many of the others that we saw, you know, up at that museum, just just really cool, really cool designs, um, and some that you know, like never even made it, like they never even made it past the prototype stage, mm-hmm. you know. Um, all right. Question number two. So there's a scene in this movie. Um, John Goodman, I feel like sometimes John Goodman is my power animal. And, um, there's one scene in this movie where John Goodman is drinking a Twinkie, which I would like to say that I went out and bought a Twinkie and tried to do that, but I did not. Um, so my question for us here is if you could take a snack of some kind, a dessert of some kind, maybe, and liquefy it, what would you be willing to drink? Well, the first one that popped into my head, I probably shouldn't use because it's really already been done. Um, but uh, Oreo cookies, man. Oh, okay. But it's so, kind of cheating because Oreo shakes are really a thing. So. Yeah. Um, so something that isn't already liquid. Um, see, again, I feel like, yeah, see, that's already been done. I was about to say chocolate cake, but. Well, yeah, I mean, you could probably chocolate cake shake and that's right. You you could probably liquefy just about anything at this point. And and some have probably already been done. Yeah. My well, my answer. So to give you some context, my answer was a brownie. And I I don't feel like I could go like too far into the weird with this because I, I think it really comes down to with things like that. I have a bit of a consistency issue. Ah, and like, I don't know. I don't like, um, I actually don't like strawberry shakes at all. I love strawberries. Uh, my favorite cake is strawberry cake, but I'm not a fan of strawberry shakes. And it's something about the consistency of it with that flavor. And it just does not, it does not mix well for me. Same thing with bananas. I don't mind eating bananas, but you put bananas in any other form and I don't like them. Hmm. So the one other movie before before we go on and you know find out what Pat would be willing to drink, the other movie that this kind of made me think about was a movie that Sharon and I used to watch a lot, um, kind of back when we were uh, dating and and uh, first married was a movie called Story of the Story of Us with um, uh, I'm blanking out his name Bruce Willis and Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. and at the beginning of the movie because they are um, they are parents that have kids that are in kind of middle and high school. And uh, the, one of the very first scenes, they're sitting around the dinner table and they ask their kids, what was your, what was your high and what was your low for the day today? And the son who I think is in high school said, Oh, I went over to my buddy's house because his parents got a new juicer and uh, we blended a chicken and, and, and juiced it. So we drank a chicken smoothie. 
Mm-hmm. Like, that's super disgusting, and I would never do that. And ultimately, they ended up counting that in both the high and low category for the chicken smoothie. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, yeah, is there anything... So, Pat, is there anything snack-wise or dessert-wise that if someone were to blend and liquefy and juice that dessert for you that you'd be willing to drink? Uh, like, only... Nothing exotic, man. Like, hey, take my ice cream sundae and mm-hmm. blend that up into like a malt or a shake okay. or, or yeah i i yeah I, that that gets too close to the old bassomatic from saturday night live so that's, oh yeah yeah that's, super bassomatic 76 that's not quite my uh that's not my bag baby that's, that's terrific my... bass <laughs> nice all right yeah I, I didn't really think i was going to be too daring on this one yeah I mean, I'd, I'd like to say that I would drink a Twinkie, but it, it's not going to happen. All right. Well, number three, Pete and Dorinda's song is Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. Mm. Do you and your spouse have a song that is yours? Sometimes spouses talk about that's our song. You know, maybe it was the first song you danced to. Maybe it was the dance, the first dance you had at your wedding. Uh, or it's just a song that over the years has become, quote, your song. Um, do you and your spouse have a song that is yours? We kind of have two. We have one that's a little more fun and one that's a little more sappy. Um, okay. The sappy one, I believe our, we danced our first dance to this at our wedding. And yes, I accept that I should know that. Um, God bless the broken road. Okay. Um, Actually, I was at your wedding and I think that's true. Yeah, that sounds right, but, yeah. you know, it's been 10 years. What the heck do I know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the one that I identify with more, because I'm the goofy one of the two of us, of course, and it's still a very nice song, it's just definitely a little more goofy, is um, Mr. Big, I'm the One Who Wants to Be With You. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's definitely Good my job. speed. Yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen. Pat, what about you? You and Tammy have a song? Not really, no. Okay. We really and this have... and this coming from a music teacher, you don't have a song. Yeah, how about yeah, it? Not a song. Yeah, okay. I really, you know, there's stuff that we like together, but there's no, we don't quite have a theme song. Okay. So, so I'm kind of in the same boat as Bo, um, and somebody's serving us cocktails there, because that's how things work on Bo's boat. Um, <laughs> Darn right. That's <laughs> right the ss love fest is set sail um so we kind of have two songs and uh i would say that our two are same as you Bo. like one is kind of like for a fun or funny reason and then the other one is more like this is the one that we you know did our first dance at our wedding and um so first dance at our wedding is an enya song called the sun in the stream Mm. um it's just a very nice kind of very irish sound melody to it and uh you know completely instrumental no vocals to it Um, but that was our first dance at our wedding and then our other one um is actually probably the reason i don't know if that's the reason we ended up meeting but um uh we didn't start the fire by billy joel very nice our other one my reason for that one is when we were in high school we were a freshman year in high school and we were in a geography class together and this other kid and I, like, we would argue with each other back and forth all the time. Um, you know, and just, I don't know that we were even really friends. We just kind of, we like to debate each other. And I don't even remember his name. 
at this point because Bo, I, you and I went to high school together, and I wish I could remember the kid's name, but I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll run into him in a couple of weeks. Maybe we will. Um, so he and I were arguing about something, and at one point we were arguing about who between the two of us who was the bigger Billy Joel fan, because you know that's what cool kids really argue about. <laughs> um, sure, sure. Right. Yep. And so um, this this poor girl that was sitting, I think, one row over and a couple of seats behind, was probably listening to this whole thing. And uh, apparently she was interested enough in me to, you know, listen in on this conversation. And I made just kind of like a flippant remark. And I'm like, oh, you know what? To this to this kid, not to not to Sharon. I said, you know what? If you know so much, what's the 43rd word of we didn't start the fire? And he's like, well, that's a stupid question. I don't know that. Nobody yeah, knows that. A very I, stupid fine. Question. <laughs> I know well, it was a stupid. I was a freshman in high school. So. Mm. So. Uh, so. Th- we, you know, we go about our business and class starts and, and we go on from there. And I don't know if it was a couple of days later, if it was the next day, uh, Sharon shows up and she kind of, as we're all coming into class and sitting down, she like, I don't remember if she like, you know, taps me on the shoulder or if she like walks over and she's like, by the way, it's, and I don't even remember what the word is now, but she, she tells me what the 43rd word is. She went home, pulled up the lyrics on the liner notes from the album and counted 43 words. That's it. <laughs> By the way, this is the 43rd word, and we didn't start the fire. And she wasn't even part of that conversation. So at that point, I was like, hey, any girl who is willing to go into the liner notes of a Billy Joel album and count words and get back to me on what the 43rd word is, keep her. Sign me up. How about it? So so that is our song. That's our song. We didn't start the fire and Sun in the Stream by Enya. All right, question number four. Favorite movie featuring a guardian angel character? This one is super easy for me. I'm going Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. Nicely done. I didn't even have to think about that one. So I found, I want to hear Pat's first because I don't want to step on one. With a guardian angel. I mean, that's, that's hard. That's another one that's hard for me. I don't. I don't know if I have a clear front runner right now. I mean, we'll, we say it, it's a wonderful life, Clarence. It would. Uh, what was that one that we watched? Um, Wings of Desire. Was that? Yeah, that was that one. The um, German one. Yeah, that one was pretty cool. I mean, I'm kind of don't have a big sample group, you know, because I haven't seen a lot of those types of movies. So I don't think I can really. I can't really completely answer the question. Mm-hmm. So. So I had, I had It's a Wonderful Life because that's the obvious one. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think of Angels in the Outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had a, a couple out there ones. So one is kind of a reverse. It was a Robert Downey Jr. movie from the early 90s called Heart and Souls, where he is a hmm. person who is helping four deceased souls finish their business and move on. Really? I've never heard of this one. Kind of a different twist on things. It's actually a lot of fun. I haven't seen it in years, but I might try to dig it up because I think Donna might like it. Um, And then, did anyone see um, Good Omens? No, I haven't yet. So, really good. Not, again, a little kind of tangential to the conversation. Not true guardian angel, but Still an angel on Earth doing things yeah. and, and a very excellent show, and I can't recommend it enough. Mm-hmm. 
I have heard the book is amazing too, but as a typical slacker, I have not read the book, but the show was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I guess you in this category, I guess you've also got um, like uh, Michael with John Travolta. Yeah. Uh, you've got uh, what else would be in there? Um, well, City of Angels is the updated version of Wings of Desire. Right. Uh, you know, you already mentioned Angels in the Outfield. You've got, oh, you got the, the Preacher's Wife. Angels in the Infield. The angels in the Infield. Um, you got the Preacher's Wife. Yeah. There's another one. Uh, you've got Heaven Can Wait. And then wasn't the Preacher's Wife. Is that the new version, or was there, uh, or is that the original? The new, the preacher's wife was. Too. Yeah, the original was called the bishop's wife. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, preacher's wife wasn't that Denzel Washington? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, so let's see. I think our final question here for tonight is: What is your favorite Richard Dreyfus movie? That's a tough one, man. It was. It was. I, I originally I looked at that and I was like, "Oh, Close Encounters of the Oh Jaws." Oh, wait a minute. Oh. Uh-huh. So I kept going back and forth. I was like, make, trying to make myself narrow it down to one. And I would like to say Jaws. And I show me the way to go home. Exactly. <laughs> I'm tired and I, I want to go to bed. <laughs> I. I I picture the three of us singing that on your boat someday. Bo. That's what I was just going to say on the boat with some cocktails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can record a podcast and we can enjoy our evening on the SS love fest singing. Oh. Show me the way to go home. Yeah, buddy. Um, I think though, and I'm going to, I'm going to say that this is thanks to you, Bo, because you mentioned it and our listener, Jason Colvin, he mentioned it as well. Um, last year after it got pointed out to me that we did not feature this one on the podcast, I watched the movie Stakeout and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Excellent. So <laughs> as much as, as much as I want to say Jaws, I think I'm going to say Stakeout because he features a little bit more prominently in that one. He does. He does. So I think I'm going to go with Stakeout. And to, to show the range of, of Senior Dreyfus, you now should watch another Stakeout. I heard it's not good. See, you have to go into it with the right mindset. Okay. <laughs> um, go into watching another Stakeout knowing that they made 48 hours and then they made another 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So know that it is campier. It is silly. It is the okay. family version of the original okay. and accept it for what it is. And it's a lot of fun. All right. When, when he's sort of unleashed on the comedy a little bit, I think it works. Okay. Um, the interplay, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud and in, in, in a somewhat public setting. <laughs> what are you saying, Bo? The interplay between Richard Dreyfus and Rosie O'Donnell is actually funny. Hmm. Like okay. they they play the old married couple in a way that I I'm yeah it's it's it has its good points. Okay. And I'm trying to think of another sequel where they went back and like they just they took it they took a darker premise and sort of made it funny. Um, honestly, Die Hard to Die Hard Two. You know, they they lightened it up in places. It wasn't quite as gritty. It was more more funny than dark. 
And they did the same with this one. How can the same thing happen to the same guy twice? Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I think it is in a in a in a film study angle to see stakeout and then another stakeout and watch Richard Dreyfus in both of them and to see both sides of that. Because mm-hmm. while stakeout has some one-liners in it, that's a that's a that's a cop movie. Mm-hmm. Not exactly a comedy. Um, it has some funny moments in it, but I wouldn't put it as a comedy. Another stakeout is a straight-up comedy. There's no like. Okay. They're not fooling around. They're not saying, "Oh, maybe there's a serious plot here." <laughs> like, yeah. No, nah, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. But still fun in its own, you know. In its own okay. Way. All right. I'll have to give it a try. Put Something it on my list. Where she, where Sharon may or may not have liked stakeout, I bet she will think another stakeout is cute. Okay. Like she didn't fact, watch stake. She didn't watch stakeout with me, so we'd have to watch that one first. I, no, I you know think. what? She she wouldn't. Okay. Like you don't need the the previous interplay between Estevez and and Richard Dreyfus to 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 make it work. It okay. helps a little, but it's not. I don't think it's necessary. Right. I think they come right. off as cop partners, like any other cop partner. Okay. All right. I'll put that one on the list. What about you guys? What's uh, favorite Richard Dreyfus role. It took me a long time. I went through the list a lot like you did. I saw Stakeout. I saw Close Encounters. Some of his smaller roles in some of the historical stuff that's been on TV has been so good. Mm-hmm. Because when he gets in there and gets to chew on the scenery, but only for a short period of time, he just does it well. Um, but I, I, I went with, and I hope I don't step on Pat's toes with this one. Because I could see the band director really digging Mr. Collins Opus. Yeah. That one's good, man. He's just so good. It's really, I mean, and he captures, they capture that. I mean, they capture so much in that movie. And, like, I'm just doing this for my day job. And then your music's taking a backseat to teaching the kids. And then, you know, he gets in there and tries to direct the band. And like, it's like just noise, it's cacophony. And then there's like kids like looking at each other, just like, what the heck is going I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know. Is that, I've always wondered, is that movie like the English teachers, the way English teachers look at Dead Poet Society? Hmm. Does that movie, does Mr. Holland's Opus work that way for you? Um... You know, yes and no, they're kind of different stories because there's a subtext in Dead Poets Society about, what would you say, censorship and did Robin Williams, you know, do the right thing or, you know, spoilers. Okay, did Robin Williams kind of cause the the death of that one student and so forth? Whereas in Mr. Holland's opus, I... I don't want to say it's more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, I mean, like when when you hear like a lot of people who are English teachers, I think especially people who are our age, who are English teachers, a lot of people you'll hear from will be like, "Man, I saw Dead Poet Society, and it made me want to be an English teacher." Yeah, like it's, I, it's one of those movies that's like people saw it and they're like, "That's what I want to do." Yeah, I, I, it's hard. Well. It's hard because I, I guess I ended up being a band director. 
I don't know, because, you know, I'm putting my own little spin on why I ended up where I ended up all that. But, um, yeah, I could see that. Like, I, I, and I mean, the, when I'm hesitating, it sounds like I'm kind of dissing the movie. And I don't want to, the movie was fantastic. So yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, so, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I could see people looking at that and being influenced into, you know, definitely. Okay. I, I, I guess, just curious. I guess, it seems I like guess, it. I guess the thing that makes me resist a little bit on that one is that he didn't want to be a band director originally in that, you know, it was kind of like his self-discovery. Whereas in dead poet society, the main character really had a clear, you know, Robin Williams knew exactly what he was trying to do with those kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't like, he's like, uh, it's not like, um, uh, oh, well, I, you know, I'm trying to be a writer, so this is just my day job, and then trying to balance all that kind of stuff. The the focus the focus wasn't on Robin Williams in Dead Poets Society. The focus was the transformation in the kids, right. and Robin right. Williams was the catalyst. In, 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 in the Mr. Holland's opus, the focus was on Mr. Holland, and kids were the catalyst. Mm-hmm. So I, that's where that's where they that's where I guess I bump into, you know, as far as, you know, a movie glorifying directing band and music, I, I think, or directing teaching literature. I think they're very much the same. But the movies, they they play differently. Oh, I kind of stole your answer and started talking about it. Yeah, I no, that's fine. I, I, I was I, I went down up and down the list and I, I wanted to pick something else. But I was like, God, there's just such a good movie. I figured it would spark a good conversation. And it did. So that was that was the goal. Yeah, well, good, good on you for that. It's a fantastic movie, and then if, you know we already talked about Jaws and and all the others. He's got so much good stuff that it was it was really a picking one. Mhm. Mhm. But the but I tried to like when I when someone says Richard Dreyfuss, that's what pops into my head is that movie. And yeah. Yeah. Definitely good choice with that. What about yours, Pat? What did you go uh, with? I knew you were going to ask. I thought I was going <laughs> to dodge it. Oh, no. No, no. Okay. Um, hey, you know what? I'm going to go back. American Graffiti. Nice. Nicely done. I'll, I'll, I'll play that one. I'll play that one. Because all the ones that were mentioned, I mean, Jaws, fantastic. Um, you know, uh, Mr. Holland's Opus. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, a fantastic movie and and um you know i'm a band director so i mean it definitely has an effect and i just sure think he brought so much of that you know i'm sure that you know some people sit there well that's not exactly how it would be that's not exactly how it would be but there was so much they captured and it was it wasn't just the exact stuff in that movie like oh i've been there i've been there you know but um the situational stuff, the, the intangibles, you know, the, this, the, the affect of being a, a band director or being a teacher was, um, uh, was very much more than the, like, real nuts and bolts kind of thing in that movie. Did that make sense? That was either, like, a really profound statement or really, like, late at night didn't babble. I'm not sure. Just when you watch Mr. Holland's opus, just that the whole feel of the movie you know you could relate to as a band director so i mean that one's in there um and the principal i mean his first principal that really pop, you know 
tasked him with, you know, these, these kids aren't a day job. You're going to have to step this up, you know, and just very stern. And I thought was was phenomenal. Uh, the gal that played his first principal, um, his relation with the P.E. teacher was uh, was great, um, you know, that they became buddies. And, you know, sometimes you get into that where, well, you just assume that, well, because you're teaching different things, you know, you're not going to relate. But uh, anyways, I'm going off on that movie too much, but I thought that one was great. Jaws of of all the like Spielberg movies and that that he did. I mean, Jaws, I, I love Jaws. And so, you know, seeing them in there, but those have all been mentioned. So I'm going to go with American Graffiti. And, you know, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a time in America. It's, it's like the Americana thing. You can kind of look back and, and look at it with the rose colored glasses. And, you know, it was before, it was before the Vietnam War was really taking off and a lot of the civil unrest and, and all that. So you can kind of look back at it at, as a, uh, a little bit of a of a fantasy time and and you know the car culture and the whole thing and so it's, it's a fun movie to watch and I thought Richard Dreyfus really played a uh, did a good job playing that character uh, that he was in there at a young age too you know I mean he was early on in his acting career and pretty awesome so I'll say American Graffiti yeah good choice. All excellent choice. I don't think you can go wrong with any of the any of the movies we mentioned. No. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for always. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode for us. Um, if you want to find out more about our podcast, you can go to 30podcast.com. That's 30 and the word podcast.com to our website. And that's got all the different ways you can get in touch with us, whether you want to do the voicemail line. Uh, if you want to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those different spots, uh, our Letterboxd account, if you use that website at all, that has kind of like a running tally of all the movies we've done at this, up to this point. And um, so that's great ways to go check out the show. Uh, it's also got the poll. If you want to vote on the movies for next year, we are about to kind of finalize that list. And then I will sit down and work things into some kind of a monthly schedule and then go from there. And uh, well, we'll... I just want to say, Bo, you're all fired up for next year talking about Hunt for Red October. I cannot <laughs> talk about that movie with you because that, likewise, was one of my favorites as well. Oh, so nice. excited. Yeah, that's, yeah, awesome. Yeah, as I look at that list for next year, I'm like, oh, I don't know if there's enough weeks in the year to fit everything in that we need to fit in. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a yeah. lot of good movies in 90. Mm-hmm. Banner year. Banner mm-hmm. year. I think we kind of say that every year, though. Yeah, yeah, when you realize what's coming out. and mm-hmm. Which is funny. It'll be funny to see that now. I, I'd be curious to see how it goes as we get on into the 90s, because I remember at some point in time, you know, maybe about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, I remember myself making a comment that, well, you know, there's a bunch of really good 80s movies, and then things got pretty good towards the end of the 90s, but like early 90s, that was not a great time for movies. Or 97, that was not a great year for movies. But then when I go back and I start to look at what stuff came out in each of the years of the 90s, I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah. There's there are already... definitely some rough patches in there, but I think there's there are. so yeah. much film that there are there are plenty plenty of good things for us to talk about when we rewatch or watch for the first time. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I always think that's the fun thing about this podcast is you go back and like some of these you're watching for the first time. 
Right. Yeah. I've never saw this one before. Like like the always one. Like you guys have never seen this one before, and yeah. you know, I, everybody came out of it liking it. So mm-hmm. mission accomplished. There it is. All right. Well, uh, if you want to get ahead of the game and you want to check out some of the movies before we end up talking about them, our ah. next couple of months of episodes. Uh, and, and some of these we might rearrange just a little bit if we need to, um, trying to work with Jeff's schedule because his wife is going to have a baby soon. So he's going to be off and he won't be with us for probably quite a while, uh, once that happens. So he definitely wanted to try to get in the, the little mermaid episode. Uh, Jeff's a big Disney fan. So we wanted to try to get that one in there. So whenever we're able to do that, I have Little Mermaid as being the one that we're doing next week. But if for some reason with Jeff's schedule, it works out to be differently, then we'll rearrange some of the movies just a little bit. So movies we have coming up for the rest of the month of September will be The Little Mermaid, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and Little Monsters. And then Little Monsters is kind of our segue into the month of October, where we have the Australian horror movie Celia. We have Pet Cemetery. Uh, we'll probably do an episode on the Joker. I think Dennis and I are trying to figure out a time where we can go see it. And kind of like what we did with Solo. We'll go see the movie and then we'll record something kind of right after having seen the movie. And then uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Leviathan, Shocker. And if we get around to it, we might do one on the Zombieland sequel, uh, Zombieland Double Tap. So that's what we got coming up over the course of the next couple months. So we hope that you will join us. Tell other people about the podcast. If you've got friends that like 80s movies or friends that just like talking about movies, uh, bring them on over. Have them listen to the show. See if they like it as well. And uh, we'd be happy to have new people, new listeners, and hear what you're loving about the show. So uh, please feel free to get in touch with us any of those ways that we've kind of mentioned, whether through iTunes or through our email or Twitter or whatever it might be. But uh, so we thank you all for listening. And thank you, Bo and... Thank you, Pat, for being here tonight. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up here, but be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. We'll see you all back here next time.